I'm Sam Mays, and today we've got former Heisman Trophy winner ah, Jason that White. That was terrible. What is this? This is what happens every single time. Should we put our hands in together? This is I'll just let's... me letting know where I can put the audio on the video. Oh, okay. But you ruined it. I'm not a radio So here guy. we are. This, this guy, is pretty impressive equipment, by the way. Jason White. <laughs> this guy, Mark Rogers of the Sports Animal here in Oklahoma City. Uh, Mark, a colleague and mentor of mine for, God, years and years and years and years now. Did work together back in the day. I yeah. didn't have a mentor. That is yeah. uh, pretty pretty. I learned a lot title. from you over the years. Oh, my God. For sure. Not much from you, White. <laughs> what? You learned how to win. I learned how to beat OU back in those days. Uh, this wait, is how no. you, you do this to us every time. No, you I just, just try to start the show casually. No, and you I, wasn't even talking, I wasn't even talking about football. No, you were talking about my about broadcast in, here. In life. You're winning in life. I am winning in life. <laughs> Kids are healthy. Fiance is healthy. Get ready to get married sometime soon, I guess. I don't know how that's going to happen or where it's going to go down, but maybe at your house. That's cool. Out there in Tuttle. Uh, yeah. Oh wait! So, I've been to I've been to a wedding reception at Jason's house before. Uh, yes. It didn't work very well. So, <laughs> what do you mean? An alternative site? It didn't work. In what way? It only lasts about five. Years. How does a wedding? How does a wedding not work? Oh, yeah. But the reception, I'm sure, was bomb. Well, the good thing is, is, is the good thing is is that maybe that Jason's batting average is going to go from zero to five hundred. Oh, there you if, go. Yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm. This is around two for me too. Yeah. The sequel. Oh, we're not talking about me. No, not not his. Oh, just a friend of ours. Oh. Okay. Yep. Are yeah, you married now? No, engaged. Okay. Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah, In very fact, cool. I, I feel your pain on uh, when and where, and oh, I man. just yeah. said, hey, you tell me where to be, what to wear, I'm in. Are you married again? No. 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 Planned on it? No. <laughs> I got to find somebody to marry first. Do you want to? Oh, you, oh, you know what? This is the worst start <laughs> to a <laughs> podcast no. ever, ever, ever. <laughs> Uh, obviously, we have a lot to, to talk about. There's no doubts. Yesterday, I sent out on Twitter, um, I got the official word from a source that's pretty close to the program that Caleb Williams has let Oklahoma know that he will not be returning this next season. Um, 2021 has been a lot. You know, the Sooners uh, go into a season with national championship hopes, and then they come up with losing both Heisman Trophy caliber quarterbacks and another umpteen kids that are headed other places in the transfer portal. The question is, what happens next? Will they hire Brent Venables, which I think was an excellent hire, the hire they needed to make. But he's got so much work to be done, and you consider the time frame he's got to work with as the SEC is calling. And, boys, last night, I'm sure all three of us sat down and watched the SEC championship rematch. Georgia and Alabama are on a different level. And for Oklahoma to get there, Brent Venables and staff have got to take it to an entirely different level right now. Well, I will say this. Um, I think that the beginning steps have been taken in, the, in a good way because I know that when Jerry Schmidt comes back that the strength and conditioning is going to improve. All right? Uh, and I think that already there's signs that Brent's recruiting is more towards athletes. I want a, uh, the kid from Hayes, Kansas. Uh, there's a kid at McAllister, Oklahoma. His dad was an OU player. He's a big guy, and he can run. And I think Brent's going to find guys that play defense, and I think they're going to demand toughness because if you right. look at the teams that they had with Jason, those guys could tackle. Absolutely. Okay, so tackling is just a lost art in college football. And I think a lot of times 
player, they go in shells, they just, the helmets and shorts, and we're hitting guys high. And when you hit guys high in a game, what happens? They spin off you and they're running down the field. We've seen a lot of that at OU. So, yeah, they got to get better. But I think if they can learn how to tackle and be physical, it's going to be easier to go to the SEC than it would have been if not. Yeah, I mean, the last night's game showed, like, it was a defensive game up until the fourth quarter, I guess. But, I mean, th that right there shows you how far along they are on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I'm not too concerned. But defensively, there's a lot of work that's going to have to be done because anybody that can run the ball on you and keep running it and keep running it because they're physical and they're bigger, you know, they're going to eat up the clock. You're going to have time to run your offense. So, uh, But I think Venables is already making those moves. I mean, the kids he's recruiting, they're way bigger kids. Um, way bigger. Yeah. And, I mean, he's recruiting his – you can tell that the – it has shifted already. The recruiting, it went from recruiting all these five-star, you know, offensive guys to right. recruiting these five-star defensive guys. And so he's already made that. He's making those moves. And honestly, I don't think OU is going to really be affected terribly by just by what Brent has done or Coach B's done since he's been here. Uh, I feel like Coach Stoops Coach Stoop stepping in kind of gave people that, that hope – and then Coach Venables being hired and the, the guys he's bringing in, they have, the, they have the players, and I know they've lost a bunch to, to the portal, but, man, you know, there, there's guys right behind them that are just, are good, just as good or maybe better. How, uh, how cool was it to watch Bob Stoops take the field again uh, in the Alamo Bowl? Like, it's, for me, being a Youngstown guy also, you know, my neighbor across the street flew an OU flag, and she doesn't know anything about Oklahoma football, but she knows that Bobby Stoops was the head coach. And so, for, for being a Youngstown boy and watching him do it, I was thrilled about it. Excited to see him compete uh, once again. And clearly, those kids responded to him. How cool is it that Oklahoma can rely on him to just drop everything, right, and just hop back in the coaching seat? That was an incredible moment for the university, I feel like. It's cool. I mean, I think it's so cool for Bob is that when he stepped down, it took everybody by surprise. And, oh, there was all kinds of theories and speculation out there. And people had stories that they knew that, oh, this is why and all that. <laughs> And he just, I think he felt so much pressure, and he felt he was so competitive and driven to win. And I, I think that he had gotten the program back to the point, and I think he really did look and say, hey, look, Lincoln's going to be a, a good coach, and right. I feel comfortable turning it over to him. But the weight of the world is off his shoulders. He's the most relaxed guy I've ever seen. Uh, he took to television. I mean, if you would have told me when, when oh. we were covering you that Bob was ever going to be a television analyst, I'd have been like, are you serious? There's no way. But he's You're great, right. and he loves it, and he's just enjoying life. And I, and I think that it was so – it was great to just see it. I mean, I, and I think that, you know, everybody says, well, I'm not trying to be a teenage girl, but he's living his best life right now and, uh, and just having a great time and, and glad that he was able to make that decision step away because some people would just say, oh, this is my job, i got to do it. You know? Right. Yeah, the coolest part of that whole game of, is when uh, his son scored the touchdown. Yeah, great I mean, moment. that's – I mean, I was on the field with those kids when they were little bitty, bitty babies. Right. And so to see that and to see that excitement on Coach Stoops' face and, like – like Mark said, he's a different person to be around, uh, to talk to. You can just tell it's just he's living his best life. Right. The Big 12 has grown up, thank God. Uh, the Big 12 that Jason and I played in was the best conference in college football, and I don't think it was really even close. Every single weekend I played against an All-American caliber defensive lineman. Every single weekend uh, some kid would show up at the quarterback position and light the world on fire. It was Jason White. It was Vince Young. It was – you know, this list of uh, Seneca Wallace at Iowa State, 
uh, the kid at Missouri, Brad Smith, was a Youngstown boy. Like, there was just elite-level football being played in this conference, and conference realignment kind of killed that a little bit, right? And, and it kind of went to this pass-happy spread offense across the board, and you saw defenders around the country refuse to go and play in the Big 12 because it was impossible to get statistics. Now you look at this conference with this great group of coaches, right? Venables being one of them. Gundy has established himself as one of the nation's top uh, top uh, uh, head coaches. Excuse me. Dave Aranda has been incredible. The Campbell kid up in Iowa State is fantastic. This conference has taken the necessary steps to foster a true champion again, and it just seems pretty crazy to think that when Oklahoma and Texas are leaving this. But the Big 12, you could argue it's the – third best conference in college football right now. Some would say it's the second best conference in college football based off of what you saw in the bowl games. How about this league? We've got two teams in the top ten. I mean, Oklahoma State, Baylor's underappreciated all season. They were just really 100%. good. And it's probably because they did employ a defensive philosophy, and the league has changed. Absolutely. The league has changed in the last five years. The offensive coaches, there have been some that have gone. There's some coaches that have done a really good job defensively. Your Oklahoma State defense had a bunch of 35-year-old dudes on it, and they were older and tougher than fantastic. everybody else. And so, that was good. They had a great, they had a great defense. But, you know, I think the biggest deal for like OU, Texas, Oklahoma State to compete and to get into that game that was last night, they got to be able to find some defensive linemen. Right. Some outside linebackers. Anderson of Alabama. How good. Unbelievable. I mean, he affected everything. His statistics. 17 sacks, 34 and a half tackles for loss. I mean, he's Derek. it was Derek Thomas. I mean, he beat all of Derek Thomas's records at Alabama. So, how do you break into the South or Texas or wherever you can find those guys and get them to come here? That's the big. That's the difference in winning a championship or winning a conference championship. Yeah, I think that uh, the the sway has started of you know everybody going after defensive players, but it's going to be a long time. It's going to take a long time for that to happen, and to get to that SEC level right. as far as the Big Twelve, because I still feel like there's still pass happy offenses here, and when you're pass happy, you want to set your defense up to stop that right so now that's what's happening you got all these defensive you can't throw on them but you go play another league that runs a bunch and now you're in trouble i gotta ask both of you guys a question now you you're you're from ohio jason from oklahoma but there are a lot of good oklahoma kids on the oklahoma state defense this year some of them are underappreciated a lot of them are some small towns malcolm rodriguez is a wrestler and he's a good football player unbelievable i think sometimes and this was addressed between brent and lincoln you go to a camp and you see a guy's metrics and you see his numbers and you don't look as much as to what he does on the field. And football's still a game. It's not a track meet and it's not a weightlifting contest. You have to get out there and play. You have to find guys who can do it. On, the, on Jason's teams, the national championship teams, some good dudes. Rocky Kalamas, I saw him play football in high school. The guy was amazing. I mean, right. running back, linebacker, he did it all. He cared. He was tough. Um, and so you've got to have the investment in the buy-in. So I think... That's what I think Brent will find a, a, a way to do a little bit. Is if you find some guys that it's important to, we are telling a story earlier tonight, you couldn't quit. You yeah. can't go back to Tuttle and say, I went, went there and now I'm home. Yeah. I mean, if you'd have gone to Miami, maybe it would have been a different deal. I'm homesick or something right. like that. So I think you, you do have to embrace the local talent to a gr- degree, and I don't think Lincoln did that. I mean, he was all national perspective, and there really wasn't a whole lot of emphasis on recruiting Oklahoma. And I think OSU benefited from that some. So I think that's coming back. Yeah, and I agree 100%. I've always said it. Your local kids, even if they are a two- or three-star local kid that grew up a Sooner fan or a Cowboy fan, like you're going to get more out of them every single weekend. And it's just because that's they're living out their dream. And right. you're going to get more out of them. And so 
preventables. I mean, he's already he's already just like Mark said. He's been out to McAllister, which I'm sure that kid's being recruited all over the country. But he he still he sees that these local kids. It's uh, talking to JD Runnels today about you know bringing back some of these local kids into our program because I, I I would be interested to see that 2000 national championship team. How many you know the roster separation there? Right. I know. so as an outsider. I would tell you that the heartbeat of our football team was Oklahoma kids. And I would tell you that right now, if you look at if you look at Oklahoma kids around college football, like the Proctor kid might be one of the top five safeties in the country right now Dax playing at Hill Ohio State. was super. Dax Hill was incredible. The kid, Redman. Redman is the best defensive lineman on this team at the University of Oklahoma. He is going to play a decade in the NFL if he stays healthy. He's a violent, physical player. And the only guy that I can think of that makes – I can equate him to is the Vorchek because Redmond does so much damage in the first six inches of the play. Like that immediate impact. Offensive linemen do damage to defensive linemen. Rarely do you have a guy that it's the opposite, that he makes the offensive lineman want to quit. Like you don't want to go block him anymore because he hurts you every single time you engage him. That's who Jalen Redmond is. That's an Oklahoma kid. I think Oklahoma boys from top from 6A to round 3A play some of the best high school football in the country. We just don't acknowledge it because they're not massive individuals. They're not huge guys. You bring those kids in, they're better for your football team, but their families is the best part of it. Because when Thanksgiving came around and I needed to go somewhere, I had 10 options of Oklahoma kids that I can go hop in their truck and head to Thomas, Oklahoma, or Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, or Weatherford, and have that fellowship and have a mom take care of me for three days and a mom show up to campus and make sure that my room looked clean and I was doing the right things. And like, it's that family element of having a bunch of local kids on the team that I think just made everybody happier, just made it better, made my experience better. So I'm here for that. I a hundred percent agree with you that Lincoln didn't see the benefit of bringing those kids in who would have died with uh, Trent Smith, his story about putting on his first OU workout shirt and crying in the locker room. It gives me goosebumps every single time. Like, that's awesome, right? I would have done anything to be a Buckeye, right? I go to that camp, and, and uh, John Cooper looks at me and, and uh, Anthony Munoz's son and says, we got grant money for you guys. Well, we're both like, well, we got 80 combined scholarship offers between the two of us, so we're going to go somewhere else. But I, I was devastated by that. That was the plan. I was going to be an Ohio State Buckeye. I'm an Ohio kid. So I get it, and I would say that for Oklahoma to find roots – structural roots for the program here in Oklahoma and rebuild those recruiting pipelines and trust these kids to come in here and get better is the way to go 100%. they got to have those kids. There's a little bit of, of the Lincoln element, too, and he had the luxury of this, of who's the highest rated? We want him. Right. And you can get into a bad spot that way. Um, Mike Leach, I asked him one time, I said, Coach, why are, you, why are you so good? I mean, like, how do you find guys that you, doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what kind of recruit he is. He fits your system and he does well. And he said, you know, look for a lot of things. He looked for toughness. He looked for kids that didn't quit. He looked for kids that played through the whistle and a lot of things. And I think that he knew what he needed in a quarterback and what he didn't need in a quarterback. And he was confident enough to know what he needed. And then it worked. Right. So I think Lincoln got to a point, and other schools have done this, where you're just going out and getting number one guy, number one guy, number one guy, and you've got that reputation. But I think we've kind of seen that that that's not the greatest recipe either for having success. I mean – no, I think like, I, listen, Jason. I don't know that you know. As a quarterback, you weren't rated that way coming coming out of high school. It was just, dude was a great athlete, right? But his 2003 year, I never saw a guy throw the deep ball better than him. Right, it was unbelievable. I mean, he throws, he's thrown the deep ball better than 
or as well as any quarterback in college football has in the last 20 years. But, you know, some guys aren't going to give you the chance and the chance to develop that way and, and improve his skill set. Right. Yeah. And I, I think we're getting away from what makes the University of Oklahoma is the, the O and a U on the side of the helmet. These kids that are coming from other states, that are being recruited by all over the country, they're coming in saying, you guys should be happy that you got me. Whereas, for me, I was excited that I got to put on that helmet. Absolutely. You know, same with Trent Smith. Trent Smith and Josh Heupel gave two of the best speeches I've ever heard in my entire life before the 2000 season. During uh, two days, they both stood up there. Trent spoke. Josh Heupel spoke. Everybody in that room wanted to run through the wall. Right. And I, I'll never forget Josh Heupel's tagline just because it has stuck with me. He, he said in his speech probably a hundred times, why not us? And he was talking about our team. Why can't we win a national championship? And he kept saying, why not us? But guys like Trent, even Josh, Josh was – he felt – he was proud that he put that helmet on. It's Absolutely. not because he wasn't playing for himself. He was playing for that – the O and the U. And so I'm sure it's the same way in Stillwater. Uh, but these Oklahoma kids, they, they know that. Right. They absolutely do. It's a heart thing for them. And I think to have that heartbeat on your team is is tremendous. And I hope that BV gets back to that for sure. I think it just makes the football team better. And plus, Oklahomans are charming. Like, it's a, like as far as just – You're an Oklahoma yeah, now? I'm not an Oklahoman. I'm You're not? not? Am no, I? You've been here a long time. Long does that, does time. that make me an Oklahoman? Yeah, you've been here a long time. Yeah. Am I an once, honorary Oklahoman? Once you, once you get past the Ohio years, okay. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. Okay. you're an Oklahoman. Okay. So you've oh, been man, here I, longer? Come on, oh, Sam. Oh, yeah, I've been here longer now, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, went to the, we went to the uh, what, 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 the festival at the Tumbleweed together. Oh, I yeah. Mean, yeah, that's – got to get back to those Oklahoma. ways. Yeah. Some outdoor shows. Sometimes. Turnpike Tubidors coming out April 22nd. Nice. You got, I don't Fort know, Worth. tickets are hard to get. Let's go. <laughs> I, got, I know a guy. We'll get, I we'll know get you it taken care of. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I love the state. You know, I, I chose to come back here after uh, – uh, you know, I got hurt in the Senior Bowl, and I went and tried to get healthy in the NFL. Didn't work out, and I thought, "What do I do next?" And coming back to Oklahoma was just home for me. And I had had, you know, I tell people all the time, I wish somebody from Oklahoma State would give me a call and say, "Will you help us recruit?" Because I, Stillwater was the most incredible place to go to college, ever. It was the perfect college experience. I got into just enough trouble. I had just enough fun. I met some incredible people, but I was able to focus on my trade and go to work each and every day. And I'm sure Norman, very much the same. There wasn't, you know, I visited Miami as an 18 year old. I got picked up by a couple of Dominican chicks in a limousine. Really? I sat down and was like, this is not, I can't go to school here. Are you crazy? That's nice. What do you mean? What do you mean you're getting ready to change in this limousine right now for dinner. I can't do any of this. Like, it just wasn't for me. You know, Georgia Tech, we're in the triple option. They absolutely would me to come down there and play football. It was a 60-40 run guard from the Steel Valley. Yes, that is my jam. I was in Atlanta thinking, I can't, this is too much. The city is too much. The, everything, too many distractions, you know. And, and so I found home in Oklahoma, and I love it now. I love that my kids are Oklahomans. I love that they go to school here, and there's good people surrounding us. I think Oklahoma's gotten such a rotten you know, rotten look or image with everything that's happened politically and socially and everything. Everybody thinks that a small town, there's nothing but racism and hate. And I'm like, that is just not true. We could leave this place right now and I can drive my ass to Okeene, Oklahoma and knock on a door. And somebody would be like, Sam, come on in. You can spend the week here if you need to. Like, it's just a great place. So I think Oklahomans are 
Incredible and super passionate, and you can see the passion with their football teams now. Cowboy fans elated with everything that happened this year with the Fiesta Bowl, and and Sooner fans, this locking of the arms, and you know, and uh, this this whole we've got this, and we're okay, and this is OU. This they championed, you know, their university. It's awesome. It's, it was an awesome display from Sooner fans from the very beginning of Lincoln Riley's deception to to now. And with Caleb Williams headed out, and it's like kind of who we embrace next, and they're already reaching out to these new quarterbacks and saying how happy they're going to be on campus. Oklahoma's a cool state, cool people. Oklahomans are salt of the earth. They're just good people. They want to do things the right way the majority of the time, and, and I'm here for it. So more Oklahomans to get exposure, the better. Brock Purdy's younger brother, uh, supposedly on campus or visited. Yeah, he's so talented, know. right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Not much about it. I, was imp- I watched a little bit of his film. Uh, I like the kid out of uh, UCF a little bit better. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what it'd be like. This is how weird offensive linemen are. So, like, I think left-handed quarterback, and it it just screws with my head just a little bit. Like, where are you going to be at? <laughs> you know, like, what's your safe place? Right. Because right-handed quarterbacks, their their happy space is like right behind the right guard. Right. I love that. I know where you're at all the time. Left-handed quarterbacks are a little bit different. He's mobile enough. I think he's got a cannon for an arm. He's very much got a Steph Curry type. Th- throwing motion meaning it's the same no matter what right it could be a five yard pass or a 50 yard bomb down the field and it's the same throwing motion i love that it's a little long though have you watched it it's a little it's a little long i think uh what i like about him is i feel like he is a josh heupel not just because he's left-handed but because he is a student of the game Mm -hmm. and so i think that's one of the areas we've been missing since I mean, Kyler, I felt like he understood the game a lot. Baker was probably the, ne- the the second best. But guys like Sam Bradford that understood the game, right. like this is why we're doing this. So he's that kind of that player. Now this this uh, Purdy guy, if he's anything as tough as his brother, I'm all in because <laughs> I've seen his brother take some hits. He did take some hits. He's a little turnover prone, but that doesn't mean the, that his younger brother would be. I'm – Brock was great as a freshman and never got back to that point up here, right? He just – there were always games where it was like you're playing great and now you're just going to go throw an interception to a defensive end. You know, just dumb shit. Like you get the, 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 I mean, you do. Yeah, yeah, I could see that a little bit. I just thought that he would take some pretty big steps from that freshman year and he kind of failed to do that. I think he's still an NFL prospect, but I can't imagine that he sticks anywhere for any length of time because I don't know that he's got it upstairs. I mean, maybe that's harsh. Well, it's hard. I'm sure confidence is going to be more difficult than the, to gain in the NFL than it would be at right. Iowa State. And he struggled to do it at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Behind an offensive line that for four years is probably one of your top 15, 20 in the country. Good enough. You know, good, absolutely good, good enough. Yeah, good, right. Get good school players around him. How much has – how about the game of football in general? Like, the difference – how many times were you sacked? What was your best – your least sacked season at Oklahoma? Do you remember? No way it was 20. Uh – I don't remember, to be honest with you. Um, I had a deal with my linemen. Thursday nights, we went and ate at Chili's. Mm-hmm. And if they gave up a sack the week before, they had to buy. Right. And if they didn't, I had to buy. Now, most of the time, I had to buy anyway. But um, I don't recall them really giving up that many sacks. Rub your head around that. So I had a year that we gave up 13 total. Yeah. 13 total. You give up 25 now this year, and you're doing pretty good. Sure. You know, teams are giving up. I think OU gave up 30, 35 different sacks this year. A bunch of penalties on the offensive line. Like, the game has changed so much up front, it just blows me away. Like, it used to be about perfection, and it no longer is. It's almost like survival 
And part of me thinks it's just a drought in, in offensive linemen in general. People just don't want to play in the offensive line. That's why you see this influx of defensive linemen. But, man, those days back watching you play and, and watching that offensive line play and, you know, our guys, we had the best eight offensive lines in the country in the Big 12 back then. Texas Tech was 340 pounds across the board. Texas was great. Nebraska was great. Like, it's been – that's probably been one of the biggest transitions for me lately, just watching offensive line play and expecting so much more out of them. Like, what do you mean you're one player and you've been penalized four times in this game? Are you out of your flipping mind? That's insanity. You don't get penalized like that ever for anything. You know what I mean? Like, even busted holding people, you don't get penalized for that. I had two my entire career. Right. And I was still mad about it. Well, uh, again – the OU offensive line, I like Bill Bill Beatonbow a lot, so I'll see if, if there's going to be any kind of fundamental changes with him. But I think the difference is going to be how they're going to be in better shape. Yeah. The, the, the bodies of the offensive linemen didn't look the same in 2021 how as they did in How much was that COVID, though? 16. I don't know. It could be COVID. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know Benny Wiley very well. I know a lot of people that like him, and I know good friends of mine that do, and, and they think he's a good guy. But they, they had one person kind of describe it to me as, it's a bunch of yoga mats and, uh, you know, apparatus that you might find. And then that's not Pilates. You know what Jerry Schmidt is going to do with a yoga mat? I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's going to be a, it's you know, just a different type of oh, yeah. conditioning. I mean, and I'm interested to see because now that Coach Venables is in and he, I know he's recruiting bigger players, is he going to step in and say, hey, Coach, we want to put weight on these guys. We want these guys to be big. Because back when in the uh, 03, 04, my linemen – they were ripped yeah. because we ran so much. You know, they were so in shape, you know, cardio-wise that a lot of times uh, if they just would have, wouldn't have ran so much, they would have been huge. Right. But they weren't. I mean, they were all around 280, 300, and, but they were ripped. And it was just because of the amount of running we, we would do. So I'd be interested to see is Coach Venables going to say, hey, let's lead some fat on these guys and not run so much. And get stronger. Yeah, that's curious. I thought in the game last night, I thought Georgia's defensive line, they played with such aggressiveness and intensity throughout the entire game. There's a difference. Because I think, I think that and Kirby Smart said it after the game, and people said that we weren't in shape, and we spent a month getting in shape. And yeah. I thought that, that was, he was right. That they were – everybody was getting tired in the fourth because it was – that was a battle out right. there. But I think that Georgia had the – they had the players that were in better condition. That was one of the best games I've watched in probably a decade. I was enamored with it from the very beginning to the end. It was one of the most violent games I've seen in oh 10, 20 gosh. years. It was even, violent. Even that fr- yeah. that final uh, – inter- that pick six, and you saw this at the goal line. Oh, yeah. The dude that's trying to throw the block, and the Alabama player just tries to murder he him. He was pissed. Yes. You know, he couldn't make the tackling. Couldn't he was going to lose, and he hit that guy with the, the yeah. power of a thousand suns. I mean, just brutal. And it was like that for four quarters of football. I loved that game, and I loved the fact of the referees – just let those dudes play, too, because there were many a play that I'm thinking they're going to call targeting, right? Because those they're just coming in you know, at, at cruise missile height, just taking guys out. It was excellent. They let them play, and it was a display of what college football should be today. But it did let me know how far off a lot of these teams are, right? Michigan, not close. Cincinnati, you can't play here. I know you thought you could. But there's a real big difference in running the, the table in that conference that you play in and coming to play with the big boys for an entire season. It reminded me so much of what uh, Geno Smith and those boys in West Virginia went through in the Big 12. They won their first six or seven games, and everybody's like, oh, they're going to do it. And I'm like, let's see what happens after they've just been beat on for a few weeks. It's a different animal. Michigan didn't belong. Like, it just seemed like those two teams, I know it's the SEC stuff, and I know we, we champion them all the time, but boys – 
I mean, the proof's in the pudding here. Like, that was like watching an NFL game last night. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, the, the, that was a, a old-school football game. I mean, it, it, there wasn't a whole lot of flash. There wasn't – it was hard-hitting the, from the time they blew the whistle till they, 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 they finished. And so, I, I like that. Right. I mean, I, again, I love to throw the ball, obviously. But I also like to – when I handed it off to Adrian and he would run over somebody, you know – that's the kind of football I like to watch. So right. last night was just a, a just a reminder of what football should be. I agree. I agree. I don't. What? Who? Do, who is going to get on that level next, next year? Like, who, yeah. I mean, who's who's got a chance to do that? Is is it Ohio State? I don't know. Clemson fell off. Clemson had one bad year, and people forgot about Clemson. It was amazing. I really thought Dabo was going to be the coach at Oklahoma for that reason. Like, Clemson didn't perform well this year, and no one talked about it. That's the difference between being a Clemson Tiger and being an Oklahoma Sooner. OU falls off, and the entire country is talking about it. Clemson falls off, and it was like a tree that fell in the woods and no one was around to see it. Well, here's the problem. I don't know if – could we – If we Lincoln might, doesn't leave, are we getting talked about nationally? I think even if Caleb wouldn't leave, there's probably some discussion. OU's in the top five or six. They, they are anyway. Uh, right. You know, A&M's getting in there. Listen, to me – it's Alabama, and then it's a revolving door. I don't think it's Alabama, Georgia. I think it's Alabama. And if you look at what I've been told, the process that they have there that Saban refers to all the time, it is like this machine that runs so well. Right. They've got all these analysts. They've committed all this money. Everybody knows their role. They bring in the best and the brightest of guys that don't have a job, and everybody wants to go there because it's the place they can get rehabilitated and they can leave. They're going to get a job someplace else. And the kids know what the expectation is there. You don't go there and, you know, you, you don't oh, have a yeah. bad you, – you're not a bad apple. You're just right. gone right. because everybody's there for a purpose. They're going to go play in the NFL because everybody that succeeds there is going to do that. So I, I think, you know, LSU had a great team in 2019. Uh, Georgia had a great team this year. So I think it's kind of who's going to compete with Alabama. They've been in six of seven games. I mean, I think it's yeah. them and then, then everybody else. I think that my best – my favorite Alabama memory over the last decade came with A.J. McCarron – and Barrett Jones got in a fight with, like, two minutes to go when they are just beating the shit out of Notre Dame. And they got in a fight over a missed call in the huddle. And I'm thinking, y'all are up by 25 right now. What do you do? The game is over. Just mm-hmm. go ahead and get up there and snap. But they could not let it go that they had missed a call. That's Saban, right? That's Alabama football there that in that moment they weren't perfect. And they were mad about it and pointed their roommates. And they were up, so upset about it. You could see it on the camera. Like, that's getting that kind of commitment, having that kind of, of – of, it's. I mean, that's what it is. It's a commitment to excellence that Alabama has injected into their football team that everybody is chasing, that everybody wants that. Because those kids live it and breathe it and love it and respect it more than they respect themselves. Like, it's about that brand there in Tuscaloosa. And that's hard to come by today. Yeah, but did you – I mean, what's your take on Saban kind of softened up last night? I've never seen that. I think here's what I thought about him. I think this is what I think makes him a master. He coaches harder when they win. And when they lose, he – He's good about consoling them. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's brilliant because most of the time teams get arrogant. Oh, we win. We're tough. And he's always telling them, we're not tough. You know, rat poison, all this stuff. And when they lose, I think that empathetic side comes out in him that he cares for the athletes. I, what I loved last night was early in the game. Then the first drive, so they got the script going. Bill O'Brien's up there in the press box. And 
quarterback rolls out in the red zone and he misses a guy that's right there and it's a, it's going to be a touchdown and they're getting seven instead of three and O'Brien is just going you know <laughs> right. what I'm saying up there he's so pissed because I think he knew you know you this, it, it's not going to be easy to score on this right. team we better get what we can get and, and so that, that that was tough but you know um, he's going to go be an NFL offensive coordinator or something like that again I mean it, it's it's tough to find that much power brain power around you um you know, and then everybody's working their ass off too. Right, you, gotta, you have to be committed. So, yeah, that's what I've heard about that program is, especially for your assistant coaches, your analyst. Like, if you're going to go there, I mean, you're going to put in your time, you're gonna put in your work, and Saban runs it like a, a well-oiled machine. Thoughts on? So we had a conversation around the dinner table about NIL, and I think we have some different opinions here. I think that. NIL needs some structure. There's no question about that. But I feel like it's going to be great for college football that it's going to prevent Alabama and Georgia and these perennial powerhouses from hoarding talent because you're going to get kids that choose to go. If you're a top 25 team now and you've done the, made the necessary steps to bring in NIL assistance to your football team, you're going to benefit from a kid that looks at Alabama and says, why would I go there to be a second-team player and get NFL training? There's no doubt when I can go to Oklahoma State or go to wherever, right, and be a star there and make a million dollars potentially. I think NIL brings parity to the college football game and relatively quick. I think in the next five years you see this thing level out just in time for them to go to the 12-team playoff and we're going to get one of the greatest shows in sports. Is it going to be what my, my father watched as a kid? No. Is it going to be what Jason and I played? It's not. But it is going to be a spectacle. There's no question about it. So I'm, I'm here for NIL, and I'm here for these kids being able to benefit from the brands that they have built before they got to campus. Spencer Rattler had a Netflix series before he got to Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler would have made a million dollars in NIL anywhere in the country he wanted to go play football. Same thing with Caleb Williams. Right, So I'm here for my mom as a single mom putting in the work and bringing me to all these things and making sure I had all the things that I needed and for me to be able to go to school. And I would have done well in NIL just from a personality standpoint. I was a good football player, but I had a bigger mouth. I would have been just fine there. And to be able to benefit from that, like that to me is awesome. Finally, finally, in a league that's a billion dollars, the players are going to get compensated for what they do. I think there needs to be more parity within the team of the NIL. I mean, I feel like every player should get something. And whether you structure that with freshmen, you're going to get, you know, $300 a week. Uh, sophomores, you're going to get 500 and so on. And even putting in bonus structure of, hey, you graduate, we're going to give you $20,000. Something, right. you know, it's – you're going to get more graduation rates out of it anyway. And so I think it needs to be that because I think that this is causing so much tension in the locker room between, you know, I'm sitting there getting dressed with a guy that's got a $2 million NIL deal. Right. And I'm putting in the work. And I would really – I think I would have a big problem if I was a lineman because if my quarterback's making $2 million and he ain't doing nothing for me – you know, I might accidentally miss a few blocks. I mean, if that, if that kid exists at the quarterback spot, Spencer Rattler, then we know it. 
that's his persona. That's who he was on the field. That people didn't like him for that reason. Like I find, I don't know that there's a whole lot of quarterbacks. I didn't play with one quarterback my entire career. Even the kids that didn't play, I'm pretty confident saying that they all would have taken care of us as offensive linemen if we needed them to take care of us. I'm also telling you that now there's more 18 18 year old millionaires than ever before, and I don't. You're the quarterback. I'm the offensive lineman, and it's frankly not your job to get me paid. If these kids aren't making any money at NIL at University of Oklahoma, it's because they're not trying hard enough. Like, you've been given an opportunity to have a job for the first time in your life as a college athlete now. Go find some money. If that's what you want to go do, go get it. Why does a quarterback have to help everybody else out? There's a couple things here. The NIL is going to definitely have some regulation. Um, And I'm a communist when it comes to college sports because I think you need to spread the wealth. I think there needs to be some parity, and I think everybody does need to get a little something. I agree with Jason on that. Um, that doesn't mean you can't earn, have earning potential. Right. But I don't think that you have three players earn and then 82 don't. Uh, and this transcends football and every job. You got somebody that's making a bunch of money and they're not working hard or doing their job. And then you got other people that aren't making very much money and they're doing the work. They hate that person at, at the office and anywhere. So yeah. I'm just saying. So I think that I think that the division in the team at OU, there could be. I wasn't in the locker room, but I think that there could be some people that felt that, hey, look, we're not doing very good this year. We have all this hype, and, uh, you know, got, some guys are making a lot more money than me. So I, I think that you have to put some rules in place where it's going to be beneficial. I also don't – I mean, look, I don't think the alumni wants to just pay a quarterback every year that can kind of hold them hostage. I think what Texas did is great. You're going to have kids go represent us. They're all going to get a stipend, and we're going to go do some philanthropic things in the community. And so they're going to – Hey, that's a rewarding experience. They're going right. to benefit from that. It's going to be good. Whereas, you know, hey, oh, okay, we've got a guy that now has two cars. Okay. What does that do? Right. I mean, you got two I need. I need one car. I don't yeah. need two. So I'm just saying, is it, and then nobody else, the other guys didn't get a car. It, 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 we're so new in this, and it is, like, so crazy. I think teams will start to figure out what's going to work best, but I don't think there's an appetite at all for, hey, oh, by the way, we got to call up uh, Air Comfort Solutions, and they got to go pay a quarterback uh, $1.5 million or right. he's going to go down the street. You know, that, that, No, they're like, no, we're not doing that. I'm, I'm here for transfer portal regulations. I think you should be able to transfer one time, right? I, I was a part of a team that had the coach fired my redshirt freshman year, and I would have liked to know that I could have transferred without any penalty if they would have hired Mike Leach. Right, which was the rumor at the time, and I'm thinking, good Lord, please don't hire him. He's going to pass the ball 90% of the time. That's not what I'm here for. That would have been a bad fit for Sam Mays at 18 years old coming out of Youngstown, Ohio, as a 60-40 run guard. I couldn't have done that or wouldn't have wanted to do that. I, I think that – I think in the world where – for example, this is where my frustration comes in with this. We're going to let Jimbo Fisher coach Florida State to a national title and then just shit all over the entire football program as he leaves it on its back, dead to rights. All those kids stuck there as he takes a $10 million gig at Texas A&M to do what, Mark? Coach? Is that what he's doing? Or is college football about Jimmy's and Joe's? Right. Because you're telling me that how many coaches right now in college football could coach Alabama's roster or Georgia's roster to national championship game? There's probably 20 of them. Like, this game, this college game is about the players, period. You want to talk about schemes? You want to talk about football acumen and how smart a coach is? Then watch on Sundays. I'm, That's I'm the totally difference. with you. I think coaches are overcompensated, okay? And I think coaches definitely should – players should have freedom. I'm all for freedom. Um, 
if it, and you illustrated it great. If it doesn't work for me and, and I need to move, you should be able to transfer. And I don't think anybody should ever be in the business of restricting somebody getting an education or, right. or going to a place that's going to help you get a, a professional career. Now, I don't know if I agree with you about everybody can coach up everybody because, like, again, we're looking at that 2000 OU team, and they get coached up. They absolutely and so did. I don't think everybody could do that. There's, you know, uh, I, and I, I think that no, I know that everybody can do what Nick Saban does because now he's getting the best players and he's coaching them to a level in which they go there and they progress and they grow. Uh, and I see other places that don't do some of the same. So I think that there's, you know, I would, I think there should be some restrictions on coaches. This year blew the market out, right? I mean, we're going from Nick Saban's making, you know, eight to ten or something like that. And now, you, I mean, Mel Tucker's been at Michigan State two years. I don't know if he's going to be very good. He's making nine and a half million dollars for a ten-year deal. That's, that's crazy. Not fair. It's not fair to the players. That's where some of that money needs to be. It, it should not. It should not go to a few. It should go to many. It should be spread out. If, the, if that if that kind of money is there, I wouldn't want to compensate a coach that much. I mean, even uh, even car a car dealership, a local car dealership that said, "Hey, you know what? If you earn a starting job, if you are a starter, I'm going to give you a car to drive while you're here." I mean. That would be great. Right. I mean, you got uh, 22 cars running around with your bumper sticker on them. I mean, that's great advertising. But also, it's an incentive for these guys to be like, hey, if I earn the starting job, I get a car to drive. You know, instead of just giving one player two cars, let's let's spread the wealth. I never heard anybody say that coaches were overcompensated, so you kind of got me and caught me off guard a little bit. Really? With that. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say yeah, but that. How are they held accountable? Coaches, yes, they get fired. Okay, well, but I, how, how long? I, mean, I, I like. I mean, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have the ability to earn a lot of money, but they're overcompensated. They they make too much money based on where the rest of the money goes in, into a college football program. Yeah, it needs to be heavier on the hey, you make it to the bowl, make national championship. You know what? The winning coach should be the guy that makes the most money that year. I, mean, I would some, how it some works. Incentive, incentive base. I don't have. I don't. I don't have an issue um, with incentives on that. but I, I would say that to be a good college football coach in 2022, it is legitimately a 365-day-a-year job. It's social media. It is constant recruiting. It is say more, do more, be more, be visible, all the things. It never stops. You never – like this has been my complaint about Mike okay. Gundy for a decade. How many is he wasn't that guy. Work? I work a lot of days. How many days do you work? I work a lot of days, too. Probably 365, (laughs) because I promise you, although you took off on Thanksgiving, your phone... I hate you. I worked on Thanksgiving. (laughs) I hate you. Your phone probably (laughs) rang. Yes, I took some calls, yes. But what's funny about this is that I think that the hardest hardest working... The hardest that that the coaches at OU ever worked was when they all got there. I've heard Bob tell these stories a million times about they all lived in the Postal Training Center and none of the wives were there, and all they did was work. Right. So they worked, tw- and, and then Bob was making that year way, not very much money at all. You know right. what I'm saying? And then, then the older, you know, the more they got down the road making more money, so, you know, so maybe a little less work, not, not, not quite as much. So I, I think that it, it's all about, I don't usually look at work ethic and price tag as much of a correlation. Interesting. They say that Baker Mayfield's Heisman was worth almost $200 million. They say that Robert Griffin's Heisman built that stadium. $180 million. That was the projected value of Robert Griffin's Heisman Trophy. So out of the $180 million that they brought in and built that stadium, how much of that money went to Robert Griffin? Not much. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is the one area that I will say an NIL deal back when I played, 
Even you played. You're in the same boat as me. So I didn't profit from anything that I did in college, like, at that time. Right. Now, I'm not saying it didn't open doors for future. But that should be in place for me and you who got to, you know, made it to the NFL and then got hurt and didn't get to live out our dreams. Right. But we put in all that time. Built those brands. Exactly. Right. That's what – it's, I am. The Heisman is is a valuable. I get it. Right. I mean, and I'm, I mean, maybe the money. I don't know how you project it all out worth two hundred million. But anyway, I mean, say Jason does get a big NIL deal and he's making a million bucks. But how would you feel if you knew there were kids on the team that had nothing? You know what I'm saying? They can't afford to eat. And then is it is it on you to have to decide? Well, man, I probably you know I could probably afford to throw him a thousand yeah. or something like that. Absolutely would. Well, I mean, now I, it's different today, though, now, because these kids don't have any restrictions like we did. Like, I was beating freshmen up for their meal carts at the end of the semester because that was the only way that we could eat. These kids now have access to anything that they ever want. Whatever their hearts desire on campus, they can go get. There aren't kids going hungry on these campuses. They live in, in unbelievable facilities, and they have the finest care and all those things. You know what I mean? So I, the base level of campus life for a kid – is significantly greater than what Jason and I experience. Significantly greater. I just still don't like that. I don't like the vast separation of of super rich and. I mean, they just no quarterbacks have been getting the girls since I was a, a eighth grader. Yeah, and they're going really. to get the girls. Yeah, but girls now. are way different than you're talking a million dollars. Is it? But you're you're talking about is one really, step away from the NFL. You're talking it, about you're one step from the NFL. So is what are you going to really do? Really going to hurt uh, a. a, a college quarterback to kick his lineman $5,000 a piece? I don't think that – I would have a hard time believing that there's college quarterbacks that wouldn't do that naturally. You see what I'm but saying? But I think also here's, – here's, I can just put my mind in somebody. Okay, look, hey, I'm playing here and I'm working hard and, and we're part of my success. And this guy, he's going to be a number one pick and he's going he's going to make his money in the pros and he's going to do all this stuff. And why, why now does he have to take all of this stuff that could be for – for everybody, right? I mean, because right. how many times have we just talked about tonight? The camaraderie of the team and how the team bonds and how the team feels about each other has a great deal to do with the success of the, of the, of the, the effort. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Regardless, yeah. regardless of what – if you go down there and you say – you talk to every single lineman, regardless of what they say, in the back of their head, they have to have thought about it. And you know what? Even if you give each of them $10,000, there's going to be that one guy that says – How's that fair? You made a million. I just don't know. I don't know why I can't imagine myself reacting that way. I just can't. I've you got one job. You out of all job. people, I figured you would be the first <laughs> one to be like, hey, you know, I protect you. You, you know, I need 20. I think it's just because I played with a dude that I just know would have done that. And I wouldn't have asked him to. And if he did it, great. And if he didn't. My you job doesn't been, change. Yes, it would No, it wouldn't. Yes. Right, right now, if someone came up here to this table and acted crazy, I would bounce them off this table just because you're a quarterback. And like, I would I'm give an you, offensive lineman at heart. $20. Like, I'm a, it's just like it's just it's a, it's a – that position in particular, like offensive lineman is a lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like it's not something you just do. you got to love that in your heart. And no matter what the situation is, you have one job, protect the money. And whether he's making it or not, that's the money. Right. Well, I mean, but, but take, again, just to make it, it could be a fullback. It could be a defensive tackle. Yeah. I mean, all those guys are, there's saying. a little bit harder. It's, it's No defensive tackle ever said, oh, man, uh, I got it easier than the quarterbacks today. You know, right. I mean, we're hitting each other and we're doing all these drills and I'm a big dude and they're over there throwing passes, you know. I mean, so, uh, 
I, I think you, there's so – we could sit here and talk, like, for hours and hours and hours about how you try to legislate this and what's going to happen. I think, to me, the biggest question is who's going to step up and, and do it. Right. Uh, it's, the NCAA is out of it. They've, they've had their asses kicked, basically, through this entire litigation. Is it going to be the SEC commissioner? Is there going to be somebody who comes forward and says, hey, this is going to be uniform? Because right now all the leagues hate each other. Uh, everything is based on what television networks are going to be in with what conferences. And so we got all this chaos right now and – and nobody can get along. So I, I think they're going to have to figure it out pretty quickly who's going to run the sport. Because yeah, right now no one's running the sport. we haven't even discussed is how's that, uh, how's that secondary coach that's making $200,000, $300,000 a year, and he's coaching a player that's making more money than him? No, well, now he's an NFL coach. Exactly. Are we, is this NFL? Because if this is NFL, we need to make some changes. I mean, it's pretty darn close. Right, I mean well, the way it is right now, it is one hundred percent. It's 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 you know it's worse than the NFL because in the NFL they got a cap, they got a right. salary cap. I mean they they do have minimum and they, salaries and they've got all this stuff. So no, it's way worse than the NFL until until they get a hold of this. Right now it is a wild ass circus, and that's it, there's no other way to describe yeah, it. And there's contracts in the NFL. If you, if you're an unhappy <clears throat> quarterback, you can request to trade, but if they they don't want to, but now you're unhappy in college, hey, I'm gonna hit the portal. You're free agent any time. It's uh, I think that the we'll end it with this. The the NCAA, I would agree with you, is it needs to be disbanded. There is no power, no leadership. Kansas essentially ignored sanctions that were put on them during basketball season this last year. I am for, and I've said this about, I think Joe Castiglione is the best athletic director in the country. I think he should be the first chancellor of collegiate athletics. There needs to be one guy on the top of that thing making the correct decisions for what happens next because there is too much money involved now for it to be run as unorganized that it's being run right now. That's the biggest issue is the NCAA's got no teeth. There's no one. They, they lost the NIL deal. They look like absolute idiots when they did it. Like, it looked like a bunch of old dudes that were like, we don't want to share the pot. So they what come it, off it like morons. Like what it was. Right. So they come off looking terrible here. No one respects them. The second that we can get the reins pulled back on this game across the board, coaches doing what Lincoln Riley, you're telling me that Mule Shule, Texas, is just going to walk out on the University of Oklahoma because, what, he got a better deal at, at USC with there being no sort of sanctions happening here? Like, we, look, do I think Oklahoma's going to recover from this? Absolutely. Could you and I be sitting at this table in five years talking about how this was the death blow to the university? The answer is absolutely yes. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't think it is but either. But I could also, it? It, it? Well, I mean, anything's possible. Um, I, I think what you're going to see is this going to go the way of the conferences. And it's already started to do that. SEC, you get 16, maybe you get four more. You got 20. We got a ESPN. Let's go. We got a semifinal Saturday. We got a championship. And who cares what the rest of the country does? Our team, there are, we already think that we own college football. So the winner of our league, that doesn't matter. They're the best. Or you can put together where, again, I don't think there's much passion for football in the Pac-12. You get 20 teams in the Big Ten that play together, and then they got their guy, and then the two of them can split all the money. So that's how it's going to work because there is strong leadership in conferences right now. There isn't strong leadership to combine the conferences. So we'll see how that works. But that way you keep all of the revenue in, the, in, the, uh, in one spot. What is the best thing for college football right now? What, if, you could make, if you could do make some decisions that would – would make you feel like college football is sustained, what would they be? For me, it's Chancellor of College Football. It is regulate the transfer portal in a way that you can only transfer one time and at a certain length of time. And I'm pretty much done at that point. 
Like, I think that, that those two things would help college football stabilize quite a bit. If you were in control, what would you do? Well, first, I would put a limit on how much money you can make in the NIL. Okay. I mean, I would just say that, um, again, you, you can bring different value. I also think that— You know I'm going to take this video and put communist right here. <laughs> That's fine. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a communist when it comes to—everybody should get paid a little bit in college sports. But the brand does a lot for the player, too. You can't say, like, okay, you can be a superstar player, but if you're going to someplace where there's no brand— and you don't, you don't get the exposure. Zion Williamson could have gone to the G League, but he made a lot more money by going to Duke. And I'm not talking about the cheating they did. I'm just talking about his right. exposure to get to the NBA. <laughs> so I, I would put a limit on it. I would try to do something where everybody gets a little something. Um, and then I would also say, you know, it, it's, it's going to be tough to – I think you have one or two conferences, and I think that there's no more Power Five, Group of Five stuff. I mean, I, I think that you're going to have to kind of siphon off – the people that really want to compete and play at the highest level. And then after that, you can have a little bit different type of regulations and rules and stuff like that. So that's I would love to see a super <laughs> conference, right, where you would just re- – like treat it like the Premier League. Relegation. Relegation would be, would be amazing. Be fantastic. Yeah, take your top 25. You're in, you're, you're in, if you're in the top 25, that's the league the next year. I love year. that idea. That would be amazing, right? right? I mean, I, I, I was um, – Talking with um, I was talking with Rinzai Stone the other night, and I mean he spent some time in the Board of Regents at OU, and he brought up relegation. Man, that's a pretty cool idea. Uh, that that's competition, right? Yeah. Now also the Premier League is that's full full born uh, capitalism. I mean that's 100%. not what we want, right? We right. don't want. I mean Alabama, if it's the most important and they've got the deepest pockets, you don't want them just buying the best players every year, right? So I, I, I'm against that. Yeah, I don't. I think uh, for me, I, I agree with Mark. Everyone should get some in the NIL deals. I, I I don't know about a cap. I think it should go all in one, one pot, and that's where all that money goes. You know, so it goes to the players. And even if there's at the end of that year, if there's a million dollars in there, just split it up. Start all over. Do you know who has made the most NIL money in college athletics right now? Uh, the Cavenders. Is that right? The, 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 the TikTok twins. They're doing good. They're not the most, but they made a bunch. It is a gymnast. Okay. At LSU. If you look at her Instagram, she does nothing but wear fitness clothing and American Eagle, and she has made millions of dollars being a model, essentially, as a college athlete. I feel like women in particular here, the OU softball team, they're like superheroes across the country. There's not a football player on this team right now that is as famous as Jocelyn Oslo is in the softball circles right. from coast to coast. I love NIL in particular for our female athletes as their careers tend to end after they leave college. But no one else in the LSU team is a model. They they're, could be. But they're not. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So that shows the inequity. And I do feel like it's important that athletes should benefit off them, their, their image and likeness. Right. And it's okay for her to do that. But I don't know that the expectation is on the gymnast, gymnastics team at LSU. They probably look at it and go, okay, well, you know, this is she's a superstar. We get it. But maybe the expectation isn't there that I should get some of her money because I'm a, a gymnast. I think football is a little different because yeah. everybody's pulling the same rope and there's a bunch of money going into that. Yes, I agree. I think you, I don't think you compare to gymnastics, track and field, same thing. Right. Uh, even wrestling. I mean, it, and except for the team duels. Right. You know, but I don't think you can compare them because soft, even softball, you have a team, and guess what? If you don't, if your team doesn't hit, you're probably not going to win. Right. So I, I think it's, uh, it's different for every sport. Interesting. 
I enjoyed this conversation, man. That's pretty cool. We can you do guys, it again. You guys brought something to the table that I wasn't uh, expecting. And uh, glad you have an open mind. I do have an open mind. You know, I, I also, you know, I, I had a pretty awesome college uh, experience. I didn't necessarily like any of my coaches at all, really ever, you know, in any level of. And so, I, um, I like the fact that. And I, it, it wasn't because of how they treated me as much as how I felt like some of my teammates were treated, uh, guys that weren't a part of the you know the starting lineup, guys who were hurt or guys that just couldn't cut it, guys that were you know in the bottom of that seventy or so that were just treated like hot garbage by the coaching staff. And and so I've always just kind of had a player first mentality. I think just from my experiences at Oklahoma State in particular, and so. I'm happy to see that the players have a little power and now that these coaches can't just treat them like shit. Like, you can't just rule your team with an iron fist anymore because kids will look at you and say, you can go fuck off and go somewhere else. I love that because there was an almost an inhumane part of college football to me for those kids who weren't great, right? And at Oklahoma, it's probably different because most of those kids show up as pretty great football players. At Oklahoma State... We had some two-star kids that would show up, and you could tell that they weren't going to be anything but scout team players, and they were treated <clears> like shit. Like, they just weren't they weren't the same as the rest of us. And I feel like now these players as a whole, like these group, these teams as a whole, have a bigger voice than they've ever had before, and you've got to treat them like human beings. So I'm, I'm here for – I would have told you 10 years ago that there needs to be a player advocate on campus for the team to be able to go to and say, this happened to me today. Like, I had a coach duct tape my right arm down to my side and put me in a live drill, which I broke my left hand. And 2020, or in 2002, when it happened, there was no, what am I gonna, who am I going to tell that to, right? And the first thing Les Miles wanted to do was ask me, hey, did you, talk, did you talk to your dad about that yet? And at 20, I hadn't even thought about why he asked me that question. At 40, he was like, please, God, don't let that West Point grad come in here and talk about suing us because you duct taped his arm down to his side and put him in a live drill. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So I just feel like college athletics as a whole has always been a business, and the business has been the, the people that are running it but treating the product like shit. And I, now you can't do that anymore. So I'm here, I'm here for NIL. I'm here for Transfer Portal. I'm here for having a a bigger voice and the ability to say i i won't let you treat me like that i won't let you say those things to me i won't let you and now they have to respect that because even if it's the last guy in the roster you're doing it to if the starting quarterback's like that's bullshit i'm going somewhere else you're screwed right it just to me the players it's a safer place today than it was 20 years ago well you're okay with a, a quarterback that says, you know what, I'm not getting the money that I want here, so I don't care. I'm out of here. It You're sucks. okay with that? It really sucks. There's got to be some restrictions. I on mean, it. I'm like all I said, for though. NIL. I'm all for the transfer portal, but there's got to be some restrictions on it. I like it. Like I, I threw out the Jimbo Fisher Florida State thing, right? That's a massive fan base. They've got a tra- their traditional power in college football, and Jimbo Fisher burnt that whole university to the ground and didn't look back with no consequences. Not one. After hearing that Les Miles story, it makes more clear why he was eating grass. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't like – so what are we going to – what do you have to say to Jimbo? I, I, I don't look at it the same. I don't look at it the same. He's getting paid by the university. The, the athletes are not getting paid by the university. 
And I know there, the the university's arguments have always been you're getting free education. That has been the argument the whole time. And that's true. You are getting free education. But now they're getting paid. That, are, do you think they're worried about education? I mean, the statistics tell you right now that half the college athletes that get to school, football players in particular, don't have the high school background to even succeed. They don't. Yeah, that's a problem. Like, they don't even and, – and that's not a university's problem. That's a public school problem. And guess what? We have, we're going to have public school problems for the remainder. Like, that's never going to change. These kids are coming from places where they are not taught the necessary skills to have success and at the collegiate level. Of, that's another – a whole other podcast. But, you know, we were talking about earlier tonight. I mean, what – Colleges need more practical training. If you're gonna if you're gonna go be a part of a, what more valuable skill can you use if you're part of a football team than being able to communicate? But, but right. Get in front of a microphone and just be comfortable. I I've agree. seen some guys that really struggle with it. Man, Demond Parker, great kid, couldn't talk. He didn't right. want to talk. He was scared to death. There's Kendall nobody who should ever be that scared right. to be in front of a microphone that's traumatic to them. They shouldn't either. Shouldn't have to do it or, you know. But that's going to give you practical use the rest of your life. You go on to be a number one pick in the NFL, you're going to have to do that all the time. Right. If you don't, then I think you're more comfortable doing it. But So why don't we – our athletes are put under a lot of demand yeah. for the media. Well, why not Why not teach them? I, know, I mean, so there's just so many more things that – you. yeah, if you come into a, a program, then you should be identified, hey, look, I'm not going to go through the normal yeah. classroom I mean, regimen. Yeah, I would agree. I would say even trade life, schools. Uh, yeah, a life class. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Hey, so this much is how better. we do the taxes. This is how we do yeah, taxes, finance. These are all those yeah. things that need no, 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 to happen, no for sure. Learn how to yeah. weld. Learn how to be a plumber. That's right? going to make you a lot of uh, money. The freaking plumber. Be an HVAC. You're coming $4,000. <laughs> the the plumber's going to get four or five grand out of this project <laughs> I got done to my house right now. I'm literally going to leave here and go dig a hole in my backyard. With oh, a good luck on, to you, so man. There's right. that. should have called Air Comfort Solutions. You do plumbing? Oh, yeah. I would have already had it fixed for you. What do you mean you do plumbing? Yeah, plumbing, electrical. We do it all. We're going to talk after the podcast. <laughs> Mark Rogers, Mr. Jason White. I'm Sam Mays. It's the Sam Mays Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. We'll have to do it again. Thank you I'm for in. having us. All right. Have a good one, boys.